This episode is brought to you in part by Regent College, Vancouver, Canada. Experience God's call to a life more abundant with our one to two week summer courses. Sign up today at rgnt.net slash summer. Hello and welcome back to Christianese. It's Drew and I just want to say another quick thank you to everyone who's listening to this podcast. Your reviews, your ratings for the podcast, even the messages that you sent me on social media mean a ton. And it's been incredible to hear about how this little podcast has been influencing lives of people all over the place. I know it sounds cliche, but I think God's doing something through this little podcast. And if it stops here, well, it will have done more than I ever dreamed it could have. But if you've liked this podcast and want to keep things going, leave a quick review or rating of Christianese in iTunes or on Spotify, and it'll help other people find the podcast. All right, sappy part over. So without further ado, let's get to this episode. Have you ever wondered what's going on with Easter? For those of us who don't observe the liturgical calendar, Easter is only one of two Christian holidays that we celebrate. The other, of course, being Christmas. But between those two, Easter is the most important. It celebrates the absolute center of our salvation, Christ's life, death, and resurrection. But we don't celebrate it the same way that we do Christmas. When we celebrate Christmas, it's... But Easter? Sure, you probably go to a Good Friday service, wear pastels on Easter Sunday, go to a brunch afterwards, maybe even do Easter baskets. You may even be a part of those rare few evangelicals that celebrates Lent and Ash Wednesday. But how many of us can remember what day Easter is this year? I've been researching this topic for a while, and honestly, I can't remember right now. Easter is profoundly important theologically, but why is it so blah culturally? The answer lies somewhere between confusing calendars, denominational differences, and the absolute failure of a bunny. Welcome to Christianese. Today is all about Easter. I'm going to start by saying something that sounds scandalous, but just hold on to your Easter baskets. Christian holidays aren't biblical. Now, what I mean by that is you cannot find descriptions or prescriptions for our holidays in the Bible. But the reason or substance of our holidays are firmly rooted in Scripture. Think of Christmas, for example. You won't find any description of a Christmas holiday in the New Testament. At the same time, you can't escape people celebrating and teaching other people about Jesus' arrival on earth. This is the long-awaited Messiah, the fulfillment of prophecy, the opening line of the gospel. Easter is the same way. We don't see any of the apostles, disciples, or churches in the New Testament celebrating Easter, but you cannot escape the celebration of the resurrection in any New Testament book. The New Testament is all teaching and celebration in light of Jesus' death and resurrection. Our holidays aren't inscribed or prescribed in the pages of the New Testament. They are festivals, remembrances, and celebrations of the gospel, which formed over centuries in both informal and formal ways. 
Which brings me back to the main question of this episode. Why is Easter nowhere near the important holiday culturally to us that Christmas is? The resurrection is the central event in human history. It is the single event our faith hangs on. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says if the resurrection didn't happen, then we are to be pitied above everyone else on earth. Without the resurrection, death has not been overcome and our salvation is incomplete. But because of the resurrection, we have a living Savior, one who invites us into new life, who gives us an eternal hope, who sits at the right hand of God mediating for us, who can hear our prayers. That is worth celebrating, feasting over, even getting warm fuzzies about. But in practice, it really only changes the shade of the colors we wear on Easter Sunday and maybe causes us to go to church an extra time on Friday. What I'm saying is cultural decisions have been made. But here's the thing about Easter. It is a very culturally pliable holiday. It's always been a holiday in flux. And if we can understand the history of this holiday, the purpose of it, then we can get a better idea of how to celebrate it rightly today. So let's go back to the first century. Easter is most rightly understood as an extension of Passover, or the Hebrew festival of Pesach which celebrated God rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt. In Exodus chapters 11 and 12, God comes to his people and says, I'm about to exact my final judgment on the gods of Egypt, but I want to protect you, my people, from the plague that's coming. Therefore, every household is to sacrifice a perfect, unblemished lamb and to wipe the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of their home. When I see the blood on your home, I will pass over you and this plague won't harm you. God then tells his people, this is not just a one-time event. This Passover is going to be a holiday that you celebrate every single year. He even builds their calendar around this festival. In Exodus 12 too, he says, this month is to be the beginning of months. It will be the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel on the 10th day of this month, they each must take a lamb and sacrifice it. Fast forward to the New Testament. When John the Baptist sees Jesus in John chapter 1, he calls him the Lamb of God. His death and resurrection occurred during the Passover festival. The death and resurrection of Christ and Passover are thematically and theologically linked. If you're not Jewish or not familiar with the Old Testament, that might be difficult to see. But if you're in the early church, the majority of whom were Jewish and still celebrated the Jewish festivals, this would have been really clear. You wouldn't have needed a new holiday. You would have just had an expanded, beefed up, and redeemed version of Passover. Instead of simply celebrating what God did in Exodus, you could celebrate what God is doing through the death and resurrection of his son, the Lamb of God. So the earliest church already had a holiday celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection. But... And this is where things get a little complicated. That's not where Easter came from. As the church grew in the first and second centuries, it shifted from being predominantly Jewish to predominantly Gentile. In other words, the majority of the people who worshiped Jesus didn't celebrate Passover. They didn't have the cultural background or traditions that explained him as the Passover lamb. 
Even so, the early Gentile church wanted to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. This made room for a new, more grassroots kind of holiday. We're not exactly sure when or where it started, but by the middle of the second century, there is a well-established holiday throughout the church in the Mediterranean called Pasha, which is the Greek, Aramaic, and Latin term for Pesach or Passover. Pasha, in general, focused on the resurrection of Christ and the practices of repentance and prayer. But this holiday sprang up out of local tradition and a need to educate Gentiles. So it looked one way in Philippi, but a little bit differently in Sardis and a little bit differently in Corinth. There really was no consensus on how or when to celebrate the holiday. Some churches still wanted to celebrate Passover. Others wanted a longer feast like Passover, but specifically Christian. For example, Irenaeus and Tertullian talk about paschal feasts that last one day, two days, or 40 hours. It seems to have varied. Dionysus of Alexandria talks about a fast that devout Christians would observe six days before Pascha. And Roman Christians? Well, they were Romans and had a paschal feast that lasted two or three weeks. Everyone knew they wanted to celebrate Christ's resurrection around Passover, but they had no unity in that celebration. This disorganization within the church is pretty typical of the time period, which is why the church called the Council of Nicaea in 325. It was kind of the, hey, let's get on the same page conference. And while the council addressed lots of big issues like heresies around the nature of Christ and closing the scriptural canon, they also addressed the little grassroots holiday Pasha in a way that kind of helped a little bit, uh, but also made it more confusing. The council decided that they did not want to celebrate Pasha according to the Hebrew calendar, but they still wanted to celebrate Pasha with Passover, which is on the Hebrew calendar. So instead of setting a date for Easter on their Julian calendar, they decided that Easter should just be a movable feast and always reckoned by a certain moon so that it fits with the Hebrew calendar. But of course, its day will be set to the Julian calendar in a way that is not confusing at all. Honestly, figuring out the day of Easter could be its own game show. Hello and welcome back to When is Easter? The game show where Christians have to calculate the date of their most holy holiday. It's time to get out your star charts, your lunar calendars, and your Julian calendars. This one's going to be a doozy. All right, pencils at the ready. Christians, what is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox? One more time, the first Sunday after the paschal moon after the subsolar point appears to leave the southern hemisphere and passes the celestial equator heading northward. I mean, what? These guys seriously said, hey, let's simplify things and get on the same page. Oh, by the way, you're going to need multiple calendars and an abacus to figure out when this holiday is. It's just... Ugh. The council also set the days for the pre-paschal feast to 40 days. And there was much rejoicing. This was a significant lengthening of the time of the feast that Irenaeus and Tertullian had. 
but it was deemed necessary because at that time, Pasha was when a lot of people got baptized. You don't want to baptize people who don't know what they believe. And so the church wanted to make sure they had plenty of time to catechize or teach people what it meant to be a Christian. And 40 days is a really nice number because it also represents the number of days that Jesus fasted and prayed in the desert. So, to review, by the 4th century, the church had moved away from the Hebrew festival of Passover and instituted their own holiday, Pasha, which was marked by fasting, penitence, and prayer for Christians and a time of catechism leading up to baptism for new believers. We still see Lent and Easter having those same sorts of habits and rhythms. Maybe not with catechism as much depending on your denomination, but it seems pretty unchanged. That is, until Pasha reaches Northern Europe. And Pasha, well, it gets a little bit of Anglo-Saxon flavoring. Let me add a little bit of spice to that. The Anglo-Saxons already had a holiday in the spring that celebrated rebirth. It specifically celebrated a goddess named Ostra or Istra. Some of the practice around this festival of rebirth and fertility shifted away from pagan gods and on to Jesus. But Pasha itself remained mostly unchanged. Bede the Venerable, a medieval monk, wrote, Easter month, which is now interpreted as the Paschal month, was formerly named after the goddess Istre and has given its name to the festival. This influence is why Germanic and English-speaking countries call Pasha Easter. Pretty much everybody else still calls it Pasha. This is also why Easter has a weird fertility flavoring. It's why we have the Easter Bunny, but more on that later. What's interesting to note here is the further away we get from the Council of Nicaea, the more Easter or Paschal celebrations diverge into their own traditions. Easter is in a way, refracturing. As the church began to split during the fall of the Roman Empire, Paschal celebrations also started to take on different flavorings depending on what church they were a part of. When Pope Gregory VIII decided to update Pascha from the Julian calendar to his Gregorian calendar, the Eastern Orthodox Church refused to follow. So today, Eastern and Western churches don't celebrate Pascha on the same day. Apologies to the Council of Nicaea. Easter celebrations in Lent significantly changed. As Protestants continued to break off and create new denominations, Easter celebrations evolved with them. It's almost like each denomination shifted or changed Easter in a way that they thought was best. Some celebrating Lent, others not. Some celebrating all of Holy Week, some just Good Friday and Easter Sunday. It's really brought us to a point today where we look a lot like the pre-Nicene Pasha. Each one of our traditions celebrates the death and resurrection of Jesus. We just do it in different ways and on different days. We have consensus that we want to keep Easter or Pasha, just no consensus on how. Let me ask the main question of this episode again. Why doesn't Easter have the cultural fervor that Christmas does? One big reason is that the church really doesn't know when they're celebrating it. It's different all over the world. On top of that, there's no real consensus on how we celebrate it. We really can't come together as a global church to celebrate Easter because some people celebrate Pasha. And let's just admit that figuring out the date of Easter is wacky. 
1920, some British lawmakers tried to set the date of Easter, but it didn't make it past Parliament. Kind of wish it would have. Then, add on top of that, the spirit of the season. Christmas is all about love, joy, peace, hope, giving each other presents. These are things American culture absolutely loves. Easter? Penitence. Fasting. Prayer. Not exactly things our society geeks out on. Sure, Easter does have a cultural component with the Easter Bunny and lots of candy, but let's not pretend that the Easter Bunny in any way can compete with Santa Claus. Santa Claus got a sponsorship and image makeover from Coca-Cola. The Easter Bunny? Well, he got a weird mascot costume. We like his candy, but ain't nobody writing letters to the Easter Bunny. Why does an Easter have music like Christmas does? Well, if you think about it, every song you sing in church, all of the hymns and worship songs are kind of Easter songs. They're all celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus and the new life that we have in him. In some ways, we celebrate every day as if it were Easter. While it's interesting to wonder why Easter doesn't have the same cultural impact that Christmas does, the more important question here is why we Christians don't make Easter as big a deal as Christmas. If Easter isn't exciting to me, it's kind of easy to blame the holiday for not being culturally relevant. What's much more difficult to admit is that I'm not excited about Easter because it's not personally relevant. Easter is an extension of Passover, a celebration of God's provision, protection, and his rescue through the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And the church developed Holy Week, Lent, and Ash Wednesday to help Gentiles like me, quite frankly, understand the power of God's provision. If I don't feel Easter is relevant to me, I need Ash Wednesday, Lent, and Holy Week to help prepare my heart to rightfully respond to God, because I'm obviously not valuing Him the way that I should. I need to spend time in fasting and in prayer. That will help me redirect my heart to the most important event in human history so that on Good Friday, when I look at the cross, I feel that pain of searing loss, but at the same time, the bliss, knowing that my sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed on that tree. And then in expectation, we wait until Sunday morning, when the stone is rolled away, and we can loudly proclaim he is alive. Our Savior lives. If that doesn't excite me, it's not because Easter is a weak holiday. It's because I don't recognize the value of the resurrection. Easter may not be like Christmas culturally, but what is Easter to you?